This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about creating an unbeatable B2B brand that is able to adapt and grow in an increasingly competitive marketplace. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Drew Neiser, founder of Renegade and CMO Huddles, and author of The CMO's Periodic Table and Renegade Marketing, 12 Steps to Build Unbeatable B2B Brands. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, well, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to diving in here. Um, Why don't we start by uh, you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing? Uh, so let's see, founded two companies, as you mentioned, Renegade and CMO Huddles, both of which I run today. I've interviewed over 500 CMOs oh, wow. <laughs> in counting. Uh, I live in New York City with my wife and a French bulldog named Louis, and I'm a Ben Franklin fanatic. Uh, I got more, but that's enough for now. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I'll, I'll have to interview you for my history show as well, but that's that's a whole other thing. Oh, we have to talk about <laughs> Franklin then. Oh my God, I am obsessed. Nice, nice. So um, you, let's start with your agency, Renegade. Um, so you help B2B brands through strategy, research, and marketing. How has the pandemic affected both the way you run your agency as well as how you work with your clients? Or you know, has the change not been as much? Uh, so a couple of things. It, it's funny that in the relationship between Huddles and, and Renegade comes directly out of this crisis uh, management mentality that I adopted years ago, which is whenever things are uncertain, the first thing I do is I reach out to everyone I know and say, how can I help you? Uh, and because I had no idea when we started, the when the pandemic started, I had no idea. I thought, okay, this is 2008 all over again. Our business is going to drop yeah. 70%. You know, bills are going to go unpaid. What's going to happen? Um, and what I realized is that there was a big gap uh, for CMOs at that moment because the CMO club had just been sold to Salesforce. And so we started CMO huddles. And that was the way the agency responded. It's like, how do we help CMOs? And then in that process, a business emerged six months later. We started it as a separate company. Uh, so in terms of how the agency worked out, it, it was uh, a lot better than any of us could have expected. I mean, business uh, had to shift. There was a moment of time there where it was like, whoa, I don't know about anything. And then suddenly it was, oh, okay, there's a lot to be done. And so we've been, we've been busy as heck. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I lived through the um, 2008, 2009, I had a marketing agency a while back, sold it a few years ago, but you know, 2009 
I mean, the first part of that year, it was, I mean, it was, you could see the tumbleweeds rolling down the, the hallways or whatever. The, the latter part of that year ended up being, you know, we grew probably more the end of that year than we had any, you know, any time previous. But um, you're right in the, this was a very different time where, you know, I think everybody was, was kind of anybody that remembered that, that time period. Um, I think was a little, you know, wondering if we were going to go through that again. So that, that's interesting. I mean, did you see, was there a pause, you know, at first with your clients or was it more just, they just needed different things or, cause it sounds like the volume stayed about the same, if not, you know, increased in some capacities. There was a brief period, literally, you know, when the shutdown began yeah. where it was okay. And and part of it was simply just sensitivity to every company in the world was sort of feeling, figuring out how do we go to the cloud? How do we relocate our employees? How do we do business in this new environment? And so, you know, the, the key thing to this was, and I think this was true, whether you were running an agency or you were uh, a client you know, talking to your customers, you just had to reach out to every customer you had and make sure, you know, are they, have they figured out how to, you know, run their business? How can you help them in that moment? Um, it, and so there was this 30 day period where uh, it, these guys, marketing guys just didn't know what to do. Yeah. And they didn't want to say anything because they didn't, you know, you didn't want to be out there going happy, happy, buy my product. Meanwhile, you know, there's a global pandemic. Right. So there was so much uncertainty that you know, things did stop, but then they picked up right away and they picked up very differently. And we spent a lot more time with uh, customer engagement programs than we did acquisition because everything was about keeping those customers, making sure they were using the products and services the way they could to get them through uh, the pandemic, right? It was yeah. this, this sort of help, help, help uh uh, mentality that seemed to roll through. And there was a lot for marketing to do um, as soon as uh, folks had that mind shift. Let's, okay, let's take a little, let's take the uh, pressure off of uh, acquisition and focus on re retention and upsell, cross-sell, if you will. And a lot of businesses did really well um, helping their customers in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so how about your team? Were they, were they already kind of hybrid or remote or was that, what was, what was the, shift like that. you know it was funny at first we were nervous and i i'm a big collaborator i like to stop at people's desks i'm a sort of lead by walking around kind of a person yeah. and so um but literally we went virtual probably may uh march 14th like everybody else and uh by i would say mid-april it was like we're not going back to the office ever yeah yeah I mean, it was that fast. And, you know, we did a lot of good things. We have a, it's a small team. Um, it's a team that really likes each other and enjoys each other's company. So for us to get together for coffee twice a week and happy hours every Friday, um, you know, we was sort of, it was work and social. Well, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more specifically about B2B brands and, and marketing. So um, this is a topic you write about and talk about quite a bit. Um, and your new book discusses it in depth. Uh, what are what are some of the biggest challenges in B two B marketing in the current environment? So they've it's really interesting because uh, through huddles and since we we have right now we have over a hundred subscribers and we are talking then these small groups of CMOs talk every week kind of on literally hearing these things in real time and 
what most recently, besides employee uh, retention, obviously, which is a huge issue, and um, th that's just a thing in and of itself, but digital fatigue and how that's impacted every aspect of, of the digital marketing sort of yields are declining. And so we spent a lot of time just talking about, okay, well, your webinars aren't working as well and your content's not working as well and your digital advertising isn't working. What are you going to do differently either to make, you know, increase your yields on those channels or you're going to do different things? Um, and it was a, a comp, but though, when you take event marketing and you take it off the table, and that was 50% of a lot of brand spend, you took a huge amount. Uh, and so some brands gave that money back. Other brands started putting to use in other ways. And so now you just, how do you overcome digital fatigue? Employer branding is a big issue. And then probably the one that I am most interested right now on is this blurring of the lines between marketing and sales. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's so interesting, and and it, it it's somewhat depends on the company. But there are a lot of companies out there, for example, that have a self serve model, where um, you can go onto the website, you can download the product, uh, you can try it probably for free or on a very low basis. You can learn everything that you need to know about it, and a salesperson never actually touches that experience, and that's mm -hmm. some percentage, a small percentage of B two B. But if you think about the future. Why? I don't want to talk to a salesperson in any engagement. So if marketing gets better and better at the self-serve thing, then you start to get to this issue of what is sales and the fact that no one wants to talk to sales unless the sales can bring value to the conversation. So if marketing and sales are both bringing value, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Huh. Right. And so I think you're going to see, and then you also see this sort of merging of the marketing and sales technology and, you know, this focus on opportunities, not leads. And suddenly, and the, and the fact that marketers aren't saying, okay, here's the lead, see ya. They're saying, oh, you know what? We can help you accelerate that uh, that deal. Oh, we can help you find the other four decision makers and make sure that the right content gets to them at the right time so that they will be able, uh, on board when it's time to approve the thing. So marketing goes all the way through the process. So, And a lot of CMOs have SDRs. They have the you know, sales development reps that report to them. So this merger thing um, of these two roles, I think, is, is going to squeeze out traditional sales. And I think you're going to see emerging either uh, a, merge, a new kind of salesperson like Andy Paul talks about in his new book, or um, you are going to just see more and more going into marketing and driving these uh, self-serve motions. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I I like the idea of self-service because yeah, so, sometimes salespeople are incredibly helpful, but um, you know, as, as a, as an introvert, I guess maybe I'm, uh, I'm naturally gravitate towards give me the self-service option when, when possible. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, look, think about it. we've all been trained as, as consumers on Amazon to go buy it yourself right. on, and, or on airlines, you go book your flight, you book your holiday, you, you know, it's still helpful when you're doing a multi-destination place to talk to a travel agent to say, Hey, what about this hotel? Right. When you get into areas where you don't know anything about it and you need information, but that's when you need consultative help. Yeah. That's yeah. not the way a lot of salespeople think about their job. 
your book, uh, Renegade Marketing, shares 12 steps to building unbeatable B2B brands. Um, can you give us maybe a sample of, of at least a, a few of those ideas and concepts that you share in the book? Oh, sure. So uh, it's there's first of a big framework for the book. It's called CATS, which is Courageous, Artful, Thoughtful, and Scientific. And that framework actually came out of my first book, which included 64 interviews on in sort of the periodic table of marketing. And people asked me to boil it down. What were the four traits of successful CMOs? And those were the four, courageous, artful, thoughtful, and scientific. And then in the book, it just there are sort of three steps within each of those. So uh, with courageous strategy. And and, and the fun part, the, the book is written in a, I'm going to say, a very uh, lighthearted, talk, uh, easy to read tone. And chapter one is called Clear Away the Clutter. And it's it ends with a pledge, uh, the Clear Away the Clutter pledge. Because I it, problem with marketing today is the complexity that it's happening, particularly with digital. And so if you can't get yourself in a mindset where you're ready to focus and ready to bring just laser intensity to doing a few things well, you're going to fail. Yeah. And so that's where we start. And then we go the next part, and, and you'll laugh at this, the next chapter is Dare to be Distinct. And the reason I'll say you'll laugh is we did this research for two years running before I wrote the book on, you know, we talked to CMOs and we said, so tell us, is your brand uh, unique or distinctive? And 70% said yes. <laughs> we said, great. Okay. Now we say, is your marketing unique or distinctive? 38% said yes. Oh, wow. And you go, wow. what? <laughs> I mean, you ran an agency, you know that you had one thing to do, which was to help your clients be distinctive. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. it. And so, uh, anyway, I can stop there. But the the last uh, the third uh, chapter in uh, in uh, courageous strategy is pounce on your purpose. And I'm not reinventing uh, what Simon Sinek said about starting your why. What I really wanted to do is liberate CMOs to not feel like they had to save the world with big P purpose. That little P purpose was fine. Yeah. It's okay to have a, a purpose that um, might just be uh, being a place where employees really, really want to work or where your customers are really feeling loved. I mean, those are those are fine little P purposes. And so, uh, but it, when you relate your values to your purpose, you just end up with something unique and, and that's the ballgame. We're seeing so much these days about, you know, people are called the great resignation or there's a there's a few other names for it. But it's not even just for the customers, but it's for the employees, right, to know that there's a purpose. And I mean, I, th I think aligning around being customer driven is kind you know, is part of that purpose. But I think it's it's becoming more and more important that employees are seeing that there is some to your point, whether it's a big, you know, whether it's a, a big cause driven initiative or, you know, something, um, small P to your, you know, purpose, to your point. Um, it's still, I think it's still so important and, and gaining more and more importance. Yeah. And I, and I will tell you that, you know, when, when people ask me, so what's renegade about your approach? I mean, I, flip the funnel, not flip the funnel, flip the targets for in the book is say your first and foremost target audience is your employees. Uh, the first task I want any CMO to do is do an employee survey. We give the survey in the book and say, hey, here's the things you need to do because they're the folks, if they don't believe you go to market with a new story and a new promise that they're supposed to be delivering on, 
and and they don't believe it, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and so, but if you get it right and you get them to contribute and 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 participate in the process, and they embrace it, you win. You know, ten x. It's incredible what happens when when you get it right. So, uh, this is the. You know, to me, B2B marketing gets really exciting when you think about it as actions that you can do to make a unique promise real. And yeah. and one of them is, what are you going to do to, say, re-educate your employees or train their employees to deliver on that promise? And and I talk a lot about, about various brands and what they did to get the employees ready. You know, it's not a one-week process. Sometimes you, it takes six months. We, one yeah. company I talk about, Case Paper, on the case, and their their commitment to their customers to being reliable, resourceful, and responsive. They needed six months of training before they could go to customers and say, "This is this is our commitment to you." Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's the way to do it too. Is to start on the inside. I mean, to to your point, if you start with some great brand message and say how great you are and, and what you believe and all that. And the employees are the last to hear that it's not going to go well. So, yeah, it's so true. It, it's really, it's not going to go well. And then of course you, then you do go to your customers and if they don't believe it and if they're, you know, if they don't think they're part of the story, then you, you have, uh, you know, you have another problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, switching gears a little bit here, um, you talk with a lot of CMOs um, and a lot of B2B CMOs as well. Um, from from your perspective in, in your work, do you see that a lot of CMOs will kind of stay in B2B and kind of stay out of B2C? Or, you know, where do you see a lot of switching kind of back and forth? And I guess follow up to that is, you know, what are some of the unique things that make a, a good B2B CMO? So let's start there and then we can answer the, sure, sure. the rest of the question. I mean, part of this is the universe of, of B2B CMOs, you know, the, 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 you have recruiters, you have hires, and they're all looking for round peg, round hole. Yeah. And so we're a $50 million, um, 50 million a year AR company. We want to get to $100 million. We need a CMO who has done that, right? right. Or, and, and, or we're going to go IPO and we need a CMO who has done that. And so you, uh, or, or the, even, or you're a, a cybersecurity CMO, like that's a special yeah. skill set, right? So first of all, the, the marketplace forces you a little bit to it. But the, the, the real thing about most B2B CMOs is they have, whether this is right or wrong, if they can't impact demand in some way in a relatively short period of time, they don't get a seat at the table to talk about the more important brand and strategic things. And any good CMO can go in and look at the demand process, wherever it is, and they can find some quick fixes. And, and that's what a B2B CMO um, is, you know, what they're really good at. And a lot of them aren't as good at, say, big brand ideas because they can do pretty well with product-led growth and they can do pretty well with creating, um, you know, these demand generation programs. When it all comes together, once you've earned the trust of your CEO and your board and your CFO, and then you get to build a brand on top of it, then you get these you know wonderful hockey stick growth things and and tremendous. And at that moment, those CMOs are the same. But if you get a group of B 2 C CMOs together, 
they're talking about brand from the second it. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. They just sense. are. There's no distinction um, for them. I mean, it, they they have to get. Um, obviously, they're they're thinking broader. Um, the tools that they're using, the sales cycles are different. And if you've got an 18 month sales cycle, it's not going to help you to have a conversation with someone who was uh, doing, you know, a retail pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. Um, what do you see as some of the maybe some of the biggest untapped opportunities for for B two B marketers? So this is this is hard. Uh, ironically, um, I think the biggest untapped opportunity is brand. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're just they have these nascent brands um, that that aren't particularly well defined that are defined in terms of features and not benefits that don't have have a vision that you want to work at. And this comes right back to the employee um, issue is that you can go and talk to employees and you say, so tell us about the company. And, you know, 100 employees, 100 different ideas. Right. right. That's no good. Um, and if, you know, they can't recite the values, they don't see how the values links to their everyday um, work. Um, and so that's a huge part of this is the connection of employees to brand and, and that kind of clarity. And so- if you again, this is so basic, but it and and that's why I wrote this book is because ninety. If we we talk to CMOs and said so, where what's the state of B two B marketing? And ninety percent of them say it's ridiculously complicated. So that's great, but is it more effective? And the answer is no. So uh, what's hard is making it simpler. It's hard is getting your message down to eight words or less, and and really giving everybody in the organization. A, a clear sort of North Star that is, they, that's hard work and it takes discipline and you got to say no to a lot of people. Yeah. And that's, that's, so th that's the untapped opportunity and it's ironic because that's not news. Right. And, but it, maybe that goes back to the, the previous point is B2B marketers are a bit more focused, are a bit less focused on brand from the start. Right. So yeah. it's, I mean, cause that's really what you're talking about is, um, if the big, the biggest untapped opportunity is really having a cohesive brand. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's one of those things you would think it would be started. Uh, some of that might also be the, how a B2B company takes shape and grows over time. You know, it may, it may it's, be that a lot more are more sales driven versus marketing and brand driven. Yeah, well, I think that's really an important point. You have to look at where the funding is, and you know what the role of VCs and PC, yeah. uh, you know, and PE firms on, and and those are a lot of the B two B companies that are being built are being built on artificial timelines, yeah. right? And they're just looking at net new logos and 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 revenue growth, and you know they're not necessarily trying to build companies of the future, and right. and and that's obviously that's why they are so focused on demand. But the reality is every one of these companies will hit a wall where they can't spend another dollar on Google right, right. without having better, um, without having a, a more awareness and, and, you know, saliency with that awareness. So anyway, this is, again, it's not a new problem, um, it, but it's coming to head. Um, and what's interesting is there are some and it's a very specific stage. It's like we're going to go IPO or we're at a hundred million and we need to get to a billion. That's when they start to really focus in on brand. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
Well, uh, one last question before we wrap up. Uh, as a fellow author, I always like to ask about uh, the process of writing. So um, in your latest book, Renegade Marketing, um, what did you learn through the, the writing process? Uh, this is your not your first book, but you know, what did you learn through writing this one? And, you know, is there anything you'd do differently in writing a follow-up? So uh, a couple of things. This book had a four-year uh, evolution. It, I, I road-tested it. Literally, I had an outline uh, as I was doing uh, dinners with the CMOs and it, w with the CATS framework. With, and the outline didn't change from the from say four years ago to the pretty much the end of the book. So I got a lot of great feedback on that. And I had a sense of that there was something valid to it. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, I thought I was done with the book, but I wanted to make sure that uh, that the pandemic wouldn't change marketing forever. Right. And, and right. so I put the book on hold. But what I did do is I took from the 45,000 words, I trimmed it down to 15,000 words and put it on a on our blog. That's like the mother of all blog posts. And that further validated the, that that this was a really good content, and then it gave me some more time to do more interviews and see what was going to change as a result of the pandemic and and, and what didn't. And I would say probably uh, the two uh, biggest lessons to learn is one: um, before you go to press, record your audio version because you will find at least five typos and three sentences that really need to be rewritten. <laughs> um, and then part two is don't be running two companies and, uh, <laughs> and launch a book. And the, the one thing I, you know, the irony of, of, of mine is I just didn't have time to, uh, leave enough time for building a launch team. And, so, uh, uh, yeah. so, you know, and I, that's just so important. And so my goal was a hundred, a uh, hundred reviews. I think I'm at 46 and, you know, so, and I wanted a hundred in the first week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's these things, um, uh, you, you do have to leave time for, for building a launch team and, and sometimes, uh, you, you know, life is imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Great points. Well, Drew, uh, thanks so much for joining for those listening. Uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and what you're doing? Uh, let's see. They can uh, go visit renegade.com. They can hit me up on LinkedIn. Oh, I didn't even mention this. I just got named to like top 15 voices on advertising and marketing and LinkedIn. So uh, oh, I'm, nice. easy, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm easier to find than ever there. Um, and for your listeners, if they're still with us and they want a chapter from my book, I'm more than happy to send them one. Um, and just, uh, you know, just again, hit me up on LinkedIn, Drew Neiser, and uh, happy to send that to you. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Drew Neiser, founder of Renegade and CMO Huddles and author of the CMO's Periodic Table and Renegade Marketing, 12 Steps to Build Unbeatable B2B Brands for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.